Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Lily Madwip, the girl with the gift, has recently met a man who appears to be more weasel than man, and who's steadfast on finding Meredith and ensuring she hurts nobody else. She needs to reach Meredith as fast as possible should anything happen to her, and in doing so is she able to prevent other catastrophes that have been set in motion. Welcome listeners to your weekly dose of stories and fables, and today I have for you another Lily Madwhip story, titled I Think a Magician is Going to Murder My Best Friend. That's right, if you recall, Weaselman is also a magician and a revealer of secrets, with one keen vendetta against her friend. But that's not all that's going on, folks, rest assured. So I can't wait to share this one. And right now, I'm drinking Monk Pear Tea, mates. Monk Pear Tea. Let me just say, one of the first premium teas I ever tasted when I was first getting into tea. It has jasmine, bergamot, monk pear, and Earl Grey tea leaves. Pure heaven, mates. So please try it for yourself. Definitely a favorite of mine. Now, turn the lights off, the sound up, and join me for a tale that is Lily Madwhip and her hunt for her friend. My name is Lily Madwhip, and I think a magician is going to murder my best friend. I thought I was your best friend. That's Jamal. Okay, yeah, I guess he's top of my friend list. It's not exactly a big list either. I mean, there's Jamal, and then there's Meredith. And she scares me. One and two. And Pascal three. Jamal, Pascal, then Meredith, because she scares me. No, wait, Pascal first. You are my best friend, Jamal. I meant my other best friend. Pascal knows the truth. Jamal smiles. We're heading to school like it's just another day, but it's not just another day. Because there's a man named Felix who looks suspiciously like he's part weasel. And he told me at the hospital today that he's going to protect me from Meredith. And I'm pretty sure he didn't mean he's going to buy her oven mitts. Actually, that wouldn't be a bad idea. I should get her oven mitts. I saw oven mitts once that looked like sheep. Greg pops up out of nowhere. Maybe he's going to saw her in half. Ooh, says Jamal. He'll need a box for that. I've never seen somebody get sawn in half. I mean, there was my cousin Susie who got run over by a motorboat. But she stayed together for the most part. Then there was a half a squirrel in my backyard. And besides, who performs magic on squirrels? I shake my head. He's not that kind of magician. What kind is he? He finds people's keys and stuff. That sounds like a stupid magician. Greg frowns and ducks back down into his seat. You're missing the point. Oh my god. Why did I even bother telling these two? Meredith is going to get murdered by that stupid magician. But didn't she kill his son? Jamal asks. That's called an eye for an eye. I don't know all the details. 
I look up at the front of the bus where Ed, the bus driver, is telling off some of the kids to stop jumping in their seats. Why does it always take longer to get to school when I'm in a hurry? Pescar encourages me to remain calm. One of the things he told me last night was that brash action can lead to tragedy. I looked up some of the words and apparently that means that if I'm too confident, then a really sad play is going to be performed. I don't think that's entirely what he meant, but I got the point. What if Meredith stood out in the middle of the playground so she could see the magician coming from any direction? And then, if he showed up, she'd just set him on fire? Jamal suggests. This sounds like a good plan, but I'm sure there are things about it that I'm not considering. That's how it always works in Scooby-Doo. They come up with a plan and then it backfires because of something they didn't think of. Or perhaps someone got hungry. I'm hungry. I had a waffle for breakfast, but it wasn't fully cooked because the toaster was on too low a setting. But I didn't want to complain and have my dad roll his eyes at me, so I just ate it. But it was icy in the middle. Greg pops up again. What if he just shoots her? That's a good point. He could be a marksman with a rifle for all I know. Hell, he could have the nuclear launch codes and bomb us. I can't let all the possibilities clog my brain though. I just have to warn Meredith and let her decide what to do. Honestly, Jamal remarks, you should tell an adult. Dear adults, my friend Meredith, who scares me and can burn things with her mind. I know this because I can speak to angels like the one in my doll. A crazy magician who finds people's keys wants to kill Meredith because sometime, somehow, she burnt up his son with her powers. No. I don't know when or how exactly. Yes, I'll hold. Oh, that's a lovely jacket, yes. I'd like to try it on. The sleeves tie in the back? How nice. Where are we going? Jamal sees me staring off into space blankly. I mean, can't she just show them she can burn stuff? He asks. Greg chimes in. And then they can take her to a secret lab and cut her open and see how she works. Like they do to aliens. He looks at me. And you too. Yeah, no. I blink. There's the school ahead. I need to do this without them finding out about Meredith's ability. If she wants people to know, she'd have shown an adult, I think. It's not my business to reveal it if she doesn't want people knowing. That's called, I don't want to be dissected. And I've thought about it a lot. We pull up to the school and I shove past everybody to get to the front of the bus, making sure to say goodbye to Ed, of course. Not that anything is going to happen to him. He's going to have a cup of coffee and read a magazine down at the gas station while filling up. It's just polite to say goodbye to the bus driver. Bye, Mr. Ed! Meredith is not standing by the swings. I run over and make sure. I even check twice. She's not there. I scan the rest of the playground. Everybody else is in their usual spot for the most part, except Jamal and Greg, who are walking over to me, rather than the baseball diamond. They're looking around too, so I'm guessing they don't see Meredith either. Jamal drops his backpack and sits on the swing. Maybe he's already got her. No! Don't say that. I should have come here yesterday, except the school was closed by then, and she'd have been at home. So that would have been pointless. Maybe the weasel got her home address? Greg suggests, stop it. 
Maybe that's her over there, surrounded by Lisa Welch and the other girls. Jamal points with his chin. Oh, yes. There she is. I couldn't see her in the sea of jerk girls. Why on earth is she hanging out with them? They're all standing around her and... Oh, no. Oh. I wasn't here to keep them away from her. And Lisa Welch is back. And she probably saw Meredith alone and... I drop my backpack by Jamal's and run down the hill towards the group surrounding Meredith. I can see she was not looking happy. She's all tensed up and her arms are hanging down at her sides and she's glaring at Lisa. I can't hear what anyone's saying, but Lisa's got Nathaniel, Meredith's angel in a melted Barbie, and she's waving it at Meredith and saying something and Meredith's got a big scowl on her face. Oh no, I can already feel it. Something bad is about to... Meredith! I call. At the same time, just as I get in range and everybody turns to look at me, Lisa Welch's red backpack, with all the trinkets that jangle on it and let you know she's coming, explodes into a fireball. Everybody shrieks except Lisa Welch, who has just enough thought power in her small brain to declare, Oh my goodness! And then throw the flaming backpack off her shoulders and do some sort of crazy half-dance, half-jump away, like she's just stepped in a pile of scorpions. Maybe I should tell her she's going to do that someday. I come to a stop as everyone else steps back except Meredith, and quickly grab her by the hand to try to calm her down. She turns and glares at me, and I swear, I can see fire behind her eyes. But maybe it's just the fire that was Lisa Walter's red backpack reflecting off them. It's okay. Don't kill everybody, please. I whisper, feeling bad for even having the thought. I don't want her to think I think she's a killer. But she kind of is. I mean, she's burned up, what, three people already? I try to make my expression look like I'm half joking so maybe she won't think I'm genuinely scared that she'll set me on fire. I can't tell if it works. I am genuinely scared she will set me on fire. Mr. Longbow appears out of nowhere with one of those red fire extinguishers like you see in the movies. I've always wanted to see someone use one in real life, so I watch, wondering if it's safe to breathe or if I need to cover my mouth. He sprays the roasting red backpack with foam while the rest of the playground pours towards us. Everybody's chattering about what just happened. What just happened? Mr. Longbow says in his really angry voice, which is just a tad bit quieter than his pissed-off voice, but much louder than his regular voice. Lily Madrib tried to set Lisa on fire. This rumor begins immediately, being passed among the other kids. Mr. Longbow sets his gaze on me. What? No, I didn't. Her backpack just caught fire. Somebody snorts. I think it's Greg. Mr. Longbow sets the fire extinguisher down and puts his hands on his hips in that way adults express that they are waiting for you to say something, and they're not going to say anything until you do, but they will get increasingly agitated if you don't. I threw my hands up. I don't even have anything on me. I just got here. Meredith finally speaks. It wasn't her, sir. It was me. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we're doing this now. This is good, actually, because for all I know... Felix is sitting in a nearby bush with a sniper rifle, aimed at Meredith's head. Yes, 
Let's get her off the playground, please. Mr. Longbow, that's a nice necktie, by the way. Did you buy it yourself? It really is a nice tie, actually. Now that I'm looking at it, I'm not even an expert on ties. Mr. Longbow picked up the fire extinguisher. Both of you, come with me. Lisa looks slightly paralyzed by fear. I think she's finally starting to comprehend that there was a fireball strapped to her back just a minute ago. And the only reason she's not a charred corpse we're all standing over playing who done it with is because of some primal instinct to remove the fireball before it engulfed her, and that the person who nearly burned her, alive, was the girl she just pissed off by doing something mean with her Barbie doll. It's like stealing someone's Barbie and then finding out, oh, that's Charles Manson, the serial killer's Barbie. You too, Miss Madwhip. I snapped back to attention. Wait, why me? I had nothing to do with this. Mr. Longbow cocks his head at me and gives me a strange expression. Didn't you? I think for a moment. No. Well, you're coming anyway. He holds up one finger to make it clear that nobody is to say another word. Then he points it towards the school to make it clear we need to start marching in that direction. Mr. Longbow, you're going to get us both killed. And Lisa too, probably. I mean, that might not be so bad. Things would be nicer if she were dead. But I'm sure kinda attached to myself not being a crisp. Can we maybe meet separately? Apparently the answer is no. Lisa, Welch, Meredith and I are marched straight into the school, down the hall and into the principal's office. Lisa looks pale as paste. Her mouth looks a little crooked. Probably from falling on her face last week. She keeps her lips shut tight, so I can't see what happened exactly to her daddy's precious teeth. But I've heard there's a big chip, and she's going to have to get work done. Meredith just looks like Meredith, which is to say, ghoulish. Not because of the burned half of her face, just because she looks like she never sleeps anymore. Maybe she doesn't. I imagine if I were Meredith, and I went to bed, and burned the house down with my parents inside it in my sleep... I'd have trouble going back to Snoozeville too. She's got an expression I can't figure out right now. Kind of a mix of determination and annoyance. Mr. Longbow looks normal, by which I mean angry and bold. He sits at his desk with all his eagle paintings surrounding us. I wonder how many exactly he has. I hope he isn't too attached to them because if Meredith flares up, I think they're going to be one of the first things to go. And then us. Hopefully Lisa first. Just because if I'm going to die, I kind of want to see her go before it happens. I know, that's a little mean. But Pascar isn't here to lecture me about it. We all sit down and he sits at his desk, in his big swiveling chair, and stares at us. Somewhere else, the bell rings. Meaning school is in session. Kids are going to be coming inside soon. The number of possible casualties just went up. This is not how we start the morning, girls. Mr. Longbow says grimly. I don't think he really knows any other way to say things, actually. Who wants to begin? I wonder what it's like to watch a comedy movie with him. Maybe he's never seen one. He should watch one. Except then, if he started laughing, he might panic, because he wouldn't know what was going on. Lisa begins. 
we were just trying to get Meredith to play with us, and then Lily came over and did something and my backpack exploded. Mr. Longbow turned his angry stare at me. Didn't we already go over this outside? I ask. Also, I think I smell gas, Mr. Longbow. Can we maybe do this in separate rooms? Quiet. Meredith speaks up again. She sounds a bit hoarse, like she was yelling all morning or something. Maybe she was yelling internally. Would that affect your voice? No, that can't be right. I'd be hoarse all the time. I told you, I caused the fire. It was me. Lisa took my... something of mine, and wouldn't give it back. She and her friends ganged up on me, and I got angry and I... The backpack caught on fire because of me. We all sat there for a moment. I imagine Lisa and Mr. Longbow are trying to work all that out in their heads. I understood what she was saying, but if you don't know what's up with Meredith and her ability to set things on fire, especially when I'm nearby, it might not make as much sense. Mr. Longbow leans back and rubs his bald head. I wonder what that feels like. I don't want to shave my own head because I like my hair, but I bet it'd be fun to run my hand over it if I did. The backpack caught fire because you were angry. Mr. L repeats. Yes. Meredith hangs her head. I feel bad for her. Poor Meredith. I'm totally getting her oven mitts. I'm going to do it. I don't know how much they cost, but they can't be too expensive, and I've been saving up for a while. If I get her the ones that look like sheep, can I just point out that I almost died? Lisa remarks. Mr. L leans across his desk and wraps all his fingers in each other. He looks directly at me, and then he's going to accuse me of causing all this. Again. Lily, I think you can be excused. Oh, finally. Thanks for playing with all our lives there, Mr. L. I sit here for a moment, thinking this. Mr. L nods at me and makes a little wave gesture with his hand. That's the universal sign for move your butt along. Go to your classroom. I look at Lisa and Meredith. Lisa has murder face. Meredith looks sad. I want to tell her it's going to be okay. Because for one thing, with me, maybe we won't all go up in one big volcano. And for another, maybe she'll be safer at home. Oh, wait. I have to warn her about Felix. Go, Lily. Mr. Longbow says in his tone that means he's about to get really annoyed that I'm still standing there instead of doing what I'm told. I nod at him, then turn to Meredith. Watch out for weasels, I tell her. She looks at me like I just choked on my own tongue instead. I go out into the hall. It feels so good to be out of that room. Oh my god, that man has so many eagle paintings. I wonder if he's married to one. Maybe those are family portraits. I really hope Meredith understood my code warning. Dang it. I probably made no sense. I want to turn around and go back in, but the wall starts to vibrate with the sound of Mr. L yelling inside, and I can vaguely hear the rumble of his angry voice. So instead, I head straight to class. Everybody in class wants to know what happened. Lisa's crew of jerk girls look concerned, like they saw her carted off on a stretcher or something. Even Lewis Brody, who sits in front of me, seems worried. What happened? 
He asks, Meredith and Lisa are getting suspended. I know it. I see the office clerk come in and hand Mrs. Carter Dogbill the note explaining it, and she's going to let the rest of us know. Of course, that happens about 30 minutes from now, so I can't tell Lewis that. Oh no, I left my backpack with Bescar in it outside by the swings. I'm going to have to wait until after lunch to get them back. I hope nobody steals them. I just need to remind myself that Pascal always comes back to me. Pascal is out there doing his thing. He'll be there when I go back out. Sure enough, a half hour later, the office clerk shows up and we're all told that Lisa and Meredith won't be back for three school days each, and there's going to be an assembly in the cafeteria planned on fire safety next week. Oh yes, that'll help us when Lisa finally sets Meredith off completely. Single file, children. Hope that the angry fire girl allows you safe passage. I just hope Felix doesn't show up for that. Or maybe that would be the perfect time for him to show. I stare out the window at the parking lot. I wonder if I'll see Meredith's foster family pick her up. It'd be good to know what they look like, or what their car looks like. I'll bet when Lisa returns, she'll have a new red backpack as if nothing ever happened. Stupid Lisa. She's going to be her own flaming death. I'm not going to say that though, especially around Meredith. Speaking of assemblies, Mrs. C.D. finishes writing something on the board. I can't even read because it's in cursive. I know this is rather impromptu, but we're going to be having one today, about general safety. We groan. I hate assemblies. You have to sit in assigned rows, and I'm always in front of some boy from third grade who likes to kick the back of my chair and throw wads of paper in my hair. I don't even know his name, so I just call him the little twerp. I don't really know what a twerp is. It sounds like a noise a rubber band makes. We file down the hall an hour later to fill the cafeteria in our stupid assigned seats. I wonder where they hide these fold-out chairs the rest of the time. There must be a room just full of folded-up chairs that they use. I'm still worried sick about Meredith and Pascar. He knows I'll be back out after lunch, but it must be lonely sitting in my backpack with nothing to do or nobody to talk to. Maybe he can use his articulated limbs and go running off on an adventure. I hope it doesn't rain. Alright. Oh, Meredith is being hunted by a psycho. I should probably focus on that. In fact, I'm so focused on worrying about Meredith getting shot with a sniper rifle by a man with a weasel face that I'm not even listening to what the actual assembly is about. Mr. Longbow is standing up front and he's got some guest speaker I can't quite see. Maybe if I were sitting in the front row, I'd be able to hear what they're saying. But I'm in the third to last row in front of this little twerp who's kicking my chair. Everybody gets quiet, but Mr. L can't quite be heard still. His microphone must not be working because it sounds like he's just speaking as if the only people that need to hear him are up front. I barely catch him say, Please say hello to Officer Flores. He gestures to the person behind him. Everybody claps, I think. My head feels like it's ringing, or swollen. Why do I feel dizzy? I look down at my feet, I can't really see them. Lily, are you okay? It's Mrs. C.D. standing down the road looking at me. Her voice seems to cut through the moment. Someone must have nudged her or told her I look sick. I don't feel sick, I just feel weird. 
lightheaded and confused as to why I can't see my feet. It's like the floor is fading away. The guest speaker steps forward to the podium where Mr. Longbow was a moment ago. With the mic that wasn't working, it hums. But now it works. It works for her. She clears her throat and says, hello. Lily. Mrs. Carter Dogbill sounds like she's talking to me through a door. I can't see my feet. My voice is caught in my throat. Her next question is muffled. I don't even know what it is. The ringing in my ears is becoming a shrill screech. It won't stop. And it feels like my head is about to burst. But then it stops. It all stops. Every sound stops. Lily? 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 Mrs. C.D. puts her hand on my shoulder. Other kids are turning to look at me. Do you see it? I whisper. See what? I can't hear myself, but I know in my head I'm speaking. The fog. I look up at the podium where the lady in black stares back at me in her police uniform. Someone in the audience starts coughing. Goodness, listeners, I always love these tales. And Lillian Madwip always loves to leave us wondering, right? <laughs> I've also considered that Weaselman already knows where Meredith is. What do you think? After all, it is his ability to detect secrets, and perhaps is just biding his time for the right moment to strike. And what about the person at the end, who seems to also be a dampening gifted person, Maybe it was the cop, or maybe it wasn't. Could it be someone else in the area causing Lily to react that way? Much like the weasel man did to her. Poor Lily, being overwhelmed by those powers. And lastly, do you think that the fog that Lily saw was perhaps a premonition? Could the school be under attack by something or someone? Seeing as Lily did mention that there are other people coughing in the assembly. Well... Nothing like a good mystery ride, but I'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to send your thoughts straight to my email at storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com. Or, if you're on YouTube or SoundCloud, leave your thoughts in the comments below. I absolutely love reading through them. And listeners, if you have a couple of seconds to spare, hop onto iTunes, leave a podcast review, or share the podcast with your pals. A big thank you to all of you out there for also letting others know about the podcast via word of mouth. It's been super helpful, so thank you so much. And you sending in your support emails, letting me know how much you like the show, is epic. You guys and gals are awesome. Thank you so much. I'll see you Wednesday for more Lily Madwip Tales. And as always, till next time.